me, it's my tremendous pleasure to be joined in the studio now by Steve Vines. No need to lie. <laughs> I am contractually obligated to do so. Steve, how's Good things? Morning. Good how's morning. things? How's life? Uh, life, yes, yes. I, I, it would be a great idea. It went, didn't it? It did. You said it. You pulled out a bit of a. <laughs> you paraphrased Gandhi there, I believe. I was, I, indeed, yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, no comparisons to be made, however. Uh, so, I mean, besides life, I mean, we've we've had a bit of a smoggy, smoggy week with the typhoon. We we have, and it didn't hit. I mean, isn't that so typical? We can't even get a typhoon to hit us anymore. <laughs> God, even the typhoons are going. It's not just the retail <laughs> shoppers that are disappearing from Hong Kong. It's also the, the wild weather. Refuse to come here now. Well, they just don't buy enough Prada handbags. That's the problem. That's uh, typhoons for you. What else is making news, though, Steve? Well, a bit more seriously, we are just just, the, slightly. just just a tad, a tad more seriously. We're at the second anniversary of the Umbrella Movement. This is the movement um, which literally brought literally brought the city to a to a standstill and it's the movement of course that that ended in and i'm i'm doing this to the listener if the listener is still there in inverted commas which ended in defeat for the um people who were protesting but it's an interesting old defeat, isn't it? From the from the ashes of defeat, like a phoenix, uh, well, rise some new legislators. Well, there's this whole thing about you know the di- the dynamics of protest movements. Um, if you can point to me a single protest movement of any consequence that succeeded, you know, after the demonstrations ended. I mean, you you take for example the civil rights movement in America. Some of them big, famous delega- uh, demonstrations like the, the Selma protests in the south of the United States, they didn't end the racial discrimination against black people in America the day after the demonstration. It's a process. Some would argue, still ongoing. Well, if, you're, if you see those flashing blue and white lights and you're guilty of being black on the streets, you may well argue that there's a problem. But, but in, in this instance, you know, what the... Um, umbrella movement uh, wanted to achieve is actually an enormously large objective, which is to change the political structure of Hong Kong. That is not going to happen overnight. And of course, it's not going to happen without damaging the vested interests of the people who have a very, very big stake in the system remaining unchanged. That's the people here, a small elite, but of course, it's the people who control Hong Kong over in Beijing. Now, if I may say so, now uh, as a, as a sort of a, a member of the younger generation, as much like you are, uh, hey, I remember it well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so you know, uh, it is a very much uh, instant gratification generation, isn't it? If you can't have results immediately, it's a it's a failure, and especially with the twenty four hour news cycle. So when things didn't immediately change, and we weren't all in the voting booth the next day, do you feel like? a lot of the young people that were involved in the movement were a little bit deflated by that because they expected, you know, their whole life is instant. They expected instant change. Well, well, this is, to me, one of the most interesting aspects of all of this because one of the stellar achievements of the Umbrella Movement was to bring people, particularly young people, but let's not overstate it. It wasn't exclusively young people, but it was very largely young people who'd had no involvement in political or community affairs, for that matter, to bring them in literally in their hundreds of thousands. Now, when the streets were cleared, 
with tear gas or with by whatever other means just it drizzled out of course people felt deflated of course i don't think it's just the young generation i think a lot of people thought oh boy but look what's happened since have they gone away absolutely not you now see not only of course were the extraordinary results of the um, ledge collection in september but not just that you have also all sorts of other movements have kind of splayed out from the umbrella movement. So you've got environmental movements. You've got in, 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 in small local areas unprecedented numbers of people taking part in what I call social activity, but you could equally say is political activity. These are people who are, so, so to speak, untouched by politics before the umbrella movement. So I think although people were forced off the streets, and as inevitably they were going to be the legacy is enormous so your argument is without the 79 day stretch we had two years ago all of the stuff that's happening now would not be happening is that the argument well, you're trying that, to make that, that that's putting it at its most absolute i'm not sure that i'm a man that... of absolutes <laughs> can i get a yes or no <laughs> you, you remember the government <laughs> just saying well i'll give you a government answer we're studying this we are studying and it, we're yeah. setting up a, a, an advisory body no no seriously i think the fact of the matter is that 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 was the catalyst i think anyway this was all boiling up in hong kong and i think what's so interesting is a lot of this energy is now being diverted i think it's a diversion but hey people will argue otherwise into the so-called independence movement or localist movement but what that movement essentially is saying is not that Hong Kong should split off from China, which I just don't think is feasible, but that we were promised autonomy in Hong Kong. It says so in the basic law, funnily enough. We were promised it in the joint declaration, an international treaty which China signed with Britain. But the reality is that autonomy is being whittled away and people are saying we've got to take back the control that was promised. That's actually what the system, one country, two systems, is supposed to mean. So the more extreme version of that is saying we don't want one country, one system. We want two countries, two systems. I don't think that's going to happen. But it's an expression of that frustration that in all areas where, where it really matters, control has ebbed away from the local administration with their willing connivance. That's what so angers people. If they thought, for example, that C.Y. Leung, who apparently is the chief executive, would on any occasion stand up for Hong Kong, people would be impressed. I mean, this is a man who couldn't even bring himself to support the... I was going to use an expletive, but we're not allowed to do that on radio. To support the Hong Kong national football team. I mean, give me a break. There's some great lads too, by the way. <laughs> well, whether they're great or not, if you're if you're the, if you're called the chief executive of Hong Kong, why do you find it so hard to support your local team for Christ's sake? Well, I think he's actually starting a committee to look into that, um, whether he can support it or not. Yes, but I but do- there are relevant considerations to be relevantly considered by the relevant officials. Of course. Yeah. Uh, to, to to put a pin in this, um, we're young whippersnappers, but eventually. You and I will grow older, as will the people that were at the uh, at the protests. And uh, it's going to be, you know, two years, soon it'll be five years, soon it'll be ten years since Occupy Central happened. 
what do you think the lasting legacy is it going to be gradually whittled away as they get older they get jobs they get wives and husbands and other life creeps in or is this going to stay strong well although i can't speak from experience of getting older but you know i could make a wild guess at it i think what happens is other stuff happens you know, <laughs> so um, it is indeed true. Expletives happen. <laughs> yeah, stuff does happen. So, you know, you do get sort of um, sidetracked and preoccupied. But let's just look at a Hong Kong example. Let's not bother with some international example. When who cares th- about them anyway? Hey, who are these people? But when was the last really big um, movement, in a big, enormous political movement. I would argue that it was in the 1960s during the Cultural Revolution, when again the streets were filled with protesters. Again, there were there was so-called civil unrest, and the whole of Hong Kong was challenged. You know, do we want to go this way? Do we want to go that way? Who are the people who were leading those protests? Highly involved in those protests. One of them is the retiring. Uh, president of the Legislative Council. Others are leaders of the biggest political party in Hong Kong, the DAB. So if you look at the whole, what's really interesting to me, because, you know, I've got this lamentable background in hackery, is if you look at the almost the entire structure of newspapers and broadcasting in Hong Kong, until very recently, it was entirely dominated by people who in one way or another were either for or against the protests of the 1960s. In other words, it doesn't go away. It, it just manifests itself in other, in other forms. I'm very confident. I mean, you look at the calibre of some of the people who emerged as leaders of the Umbrella Movement, articulate, self-confident, completely self-sacrificing. And what's so interesting is the new political movements in Hong Kong, there's no material gain. If you join the DAB, you might get a little job somewhere. You'd certainly get a bit of money in your back pocket. And if you join other pro-government parties, there's all sorts of benefits. The people who are part of the Occupy movement only know that joining equals risk, yet they've joined. So that tells you something about the mindset and the responsibility of those people. I don't know. I bet that Josh Wong's a hit with the ladies, though. It can't, it can't hurt on Tinder. Well, <laughs> your, you know, your Time magazine article as your as your yeah, profile yeah, picture I, or something. I, I believe he's 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 doing well on that front. Shall we move on to to? Uh, we could. You mentioned uh, in that little wrap up the basic law speaks about autonomy, but uh, I don't know much about the basic law, and it includes some other things which I wasn't aware of. Is it's, it's very interesting. Well, this has been highlighted. And in fact, I'm, I'm amazed more hasn't been made about it. There's been a big case in the Court of Appeal where High Sand Development has, development company must be right, has appealed against the town planning board's um, decision to put various restrictions on a new development it's making in, in sort of the area between Wan Chai and um, um, Causeway Bay. But the point is... What they've based their appeal on, they went to the court, they said, you know, Article 6 of the Basic Law, which sets out the principles of the Basic Law, says, and I've written it down in case I forget, um, Article 6 says words to the effect of the, um, the, 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 the SAR will protect the right of private ownership of property. Article 6, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, we get to property, you know, it's quite, right, quite so near the top. It's quite near the top. You then go to the section of the basic law 
which is headed economy. What's the first article in that? It's about property protection rights. So what you see in the basic law, which was, of course, drafted in, in, in the mid-1980s by the Hong Kong elite, gosh, funny that property figured as such a big um, item in there. You look, incidentally, at other parts of the basic law. There, there, there's a thing about employment rights. Actually, it's not about employment rights at all. It's only about... It only refers in four paragraphs, no less, to the rights of professions and protecting the interests of professions. Workers, ordinary blokes? Well, yeah, hey, we're not going to put that in the basic law. I mean, there's only so much paper you can, you can afford. True. That's true. It was a paper... It was a paper shortage issue at the time. If only they came up with iPads sooner. <laughs> so you're saying, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, don't want to be telling tales out of school here, Steve. Hey, nobody <laughs> likes that sort of thing. You're saying the system is rigged or stacked towards favouring the wealthy. That can't be true. I'm shocked you've reached that conclusion. Well. It must be a generational gap. <laughs> no, well, hey, ain't that a fact? I mean, most systems are. Um, it, this isn't big news. I don't think I'm declaring something which is really outstanding. Um, Police are outside the, the door. The, the, the elite is in charge. I mean, that's not big news. I think what's interesting about the basic law is how blatant it is. You know, most systems talk about, you know, general, you know, loveliness to all persons. They even may talk about things like sexual and racial equality. Thank God the basic law doesn't mention any of that stuff. Phew. Unnecessary. Well, it's unnecessary. In fact, they actually specify sexual inequality because they, in the basic law it's specified that all the rights of the indigenous people in Hong Kong only apply to the males. So thank goodness for that. No women messing in, in, um, in the indigenous area. But what's interesting about this is, as I say, it's the blatant nature of it. And I have to admit that I'm among many people who never really thought about this. I thought, oh, basic law, you know, it's gripping and fascinating as it is, and it's on my bedside for a good old read every night. It's not Fifty Shades of Grey, is it? <laughs> well, very close. You haven't read the concluding chapter. Oh, my, or the my goodness. Or the annexes, <laughs> if, I may, if I may be so bold. It's getting a bit steamy in the and, Radio and, 3 and, studios. And, hey, can I say, if you get the latest copy, that also includes rulings of the Standing Committee of the National People's Congress. Ooh. So, you know, when you say it ain't no shades of grey... X-rated. Uh, think about that again. Can I say, can I ask, can I beg of you to answer this question? Uh, is your argument that property owners are too privileged by it, or are you just upset that there aren't additional rights covering workers' rights, that sort of thing? Or, or do you think it's wrong that Haisan Group can appeal this and say we weren't looked after. Well, actually, I don't think it's wrong that Haisan Group should appeal this because I think that's why we have a judicial system. It's fair. I, yeah. And I think that's okay. You're just scared of the... You're but, worried but, about the lack of. But but I think... I understand, incidentally, having, you know, mouthed off about uh, why there's too much about property rights in there. I do understand what it's doing in there. What it's doing in there is that a lot of middle-class people in Hong Kong were very worried about expropriation of property, which of course was something which was commonplace in the Maoist years in China, or not only in the Maoist years, in the, in the revolutionary period as well in China. So it's understandable that they wanted something written into the mini-constitution that said we're not going to have expropriation of property in Hong Kong. I get that. But maybe we could have had a bit of the other stuff as well. 
the other stuff. That- yeah, you know, they, 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 they're sort of dealing with the great unwashed. I've never met any of these people, but I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, that half of the people in Hong Kong don't even own a property. Did you know that? I find that very hard it's to believe. very hard to believe, I know. It's extraordinary. Have they never played Monopoly? That, that, some of them I, I have personal hygiene issues, to be absolutely honest with you, more but of, we're more, not going to go there. More of a Twister fan, are you? <laughs> Steve, uh, do you want to keep going, or do you want to head to a song? Do you need a break? or uh, uh, Up to you. You're in charge. Uh, how about we uh, we bang out one more, and then we've got the news at 10.30. What would you like to talk about? Well, very briefly, we could talk about... Um, what should we talk about very, very briefly? Oh, yes. Thank goodness that woman who assaulted the police with her breasts. Heinous crime, yeah. <laughs> the heinous crime, the breast assault. The only recorded um, record of a breast assault, as far as I know, on the police anywhere in the world. Um, she's now just doing community service, not jail time. Another victory for the judiciary, which suggests to me that those judges are getting a bit soft. You think so? And I'm not going to uh, extend that analogy. <laughs> Wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> uh, are you? Can you? Can you be? Can you be blunt about it? I mean, is is this? Should this be making more news? I mean, how ridiculous the whole thing is. Well, I think I, that that was one of the things. You know, people keep saying, "Oh, I wonder what's happened to Hong Kong's image." You know, some of the things that flashed around the world at the time that she was prosecuted... Flashed around the world. Yeah. Oh, God, we're oh, so careful man. these days, don't we? Um, which were disseminated. Oh, not bad. Uh, including the relevant parties. I do want to stress that word, relevant parties. Ooh, someone went to university. <laughs> hey, hey, I got me O-levels. Um, <laughs> um, but the fact of the matter is that, you know, what Hong Kong increasingly is known for is daft stuff. Is it? Well... Breast assaults, that went round the world very quickly. Do you think our latest, you know, we used to be a big shipping uh, place in Hong Kong. Yeah, cargo, shipping's that's a rather sad story now. Is, uh, is wacky news our new leading industry? <laughs> Do you think that's our cutting edge? Yeah. Competitive make, advantage. Making it on... USP. <laughs> making it on US late night talk shows to be laughed at for 10 seconds before they move on to the next thing. It's something to aspire to. I mean, after all, we do have um, a very, very impressive leader. Do is that something? Does, does that, anybody know who he is? In the outside world, I doubt it. Is there is there a, a serious is there a serious concern that we're becoming a bit of uh, I don't want to say laughing stock. Love Hong Kong to death, but I, I think mean, there there is a bit of a problem in the with public. That. Eye, have I, we I taken think, a PR hit? I think the main problem is people are just sort of. I, I mean, let me give you an just an example of this. It's a tiny little personal example, but I a went cup on, sized. A cup sized. Hmm. Um, I went to Spain uh, quite recently and um, tried to hire a car. And the people at the car hire said, oh, no, Chinese driving licences, we, we don't accept them. There, there has to be another sort of bureaucratic form and blah, blah, blah. And I said, it's not a Chinese driving licence, it's a Hong Kong driving licence that I've got. And he looked at me and went, it's China, no? There's no separation anymore, in is what you're saying. Well, what I'm saying is that people now have put Hong Kong into the China box. Actually, all of things like driving licences come under a separate jurisdiction. It's a completely different driving test and blah, blah, blah. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, this is just a bloke working in a car hire factory, a car hire shop. What does he know? In fact, yeah. 
We have many people that listen to the show that are car hire enthusiasts. Can I apologise to all of them unreservedly? So, what did you say back to him? You said, I came all the way to Portugal... <laughs> And I did not to be talked to this by this Portuguese man. He said, well, it's actually Spain. Same thing, isn't hey, it? Hey, yeah, Same thing, that's what it? I said. And uh, I may have said something derogatory about um, bulls. Is that why you have that black eye, Steve? Uh, I, I don't know. There was a doorpost. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're going to tell the judge anyway. I am. I am. Uh, so we're going to head off to the weather and we'll be back to talk more stuff after this. How Thrilling. about that? Thrilling. Thrilling. Less sarcasm next time. <laughs> Le- less sarcasm. Let's do take a look at that weather. Back from the brink. It's extraordinary. Ne- next you're going to tell me the Beatles have stopped. Have they? Apparently. Hmm. Hmm. There you go. Uh, so I, I love that song, uh, Brown <laughs> Sugar, they do. Oh, <laughs> live, great. live and learn, eh? <laughs> We were actually talking about music, just briefly, we were talking about music, and, and you saw that, that uh, lovely group, uh, that movie, Straight Out of Compton. I did. Uh, and the band is called NWA, which is Nice Young Men with Attitude, I believe, is uh, the... Something like that. Something, I can't something, quite recall the name of that. Like persons of Colour with Attitude? I don't... I didn't pick you as someone that would enjoy that movie. Well, I didn't pick me as somebody who'd enjoy that movie either, but I, I, I really got... Sort of invested. Very long movie, yeah. Invested in it. That's in the their word. lives, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you name all the members? No. <laughs> <laughs> Could I understand all the dialogue? No. I'll have you know that MC Ren, Ice Cube, and Dr Dre listen to the Morning Brew religiously, so they'll That's be very what, disappointed. I, I, I've been told that actually. Yeah. Yes. But how about we shift our attention away from the mean streets of Inglewood and Compton to the mean streets of Hong Kong? Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry to keep going on about him because he's he's a he's, he's part of an oppressed minority in Hong Kong. But that chief executive bloke now turns out that over in Discovery Bay, the paradise of Hong Kong, if I may say so, mm-hmm. I think, uh, <laughs> very close to the airport, incidentally, oh, not many really? people know that. Um, the paradise of Hong Kong. Apparently, it was C. Y. Leung who suggested to other members of his government fine upstanding chaps all of them that that it was really unfair to hong kong resorts which owns that property development that they couldn't you know bite into a bit more land and and have a bit more development apparently when he made this suggestion he for some reason didn't declare that his former company which is called DTZ, um, is, oh, that's right, it's an advisor to Hong Kong resorts. So no co- conflict of interest there. And he's he's now laid that matter to rest because he's told the Great Unwashed that he's not connected with that company anymore because his shares are in trust. Oh. Mm, interesting, that. Actually, uh, memo to chief executive, when your shares are in trust, that doesn't mean they're not earning any money. It just means you're not directly having access to them. Just saying, a lot of people know that, but hey. So it seems that property yet again rears its ugly head. I don't know. This sounds like a game of Chinese whispers to me. You've got HKR International developing it, which is advised by DTZ. I mean, it's just... Get that alphabet it, moving. It's a long chain of events. I don't know how you could possibly connect yeah, the two. Yeah, I know, I know. I think you'd need a very nasty, suspicious mind but, to draw conclusions from I, that. I mean, sooner or later, he just picked somewhere on the map that needed more development, because... Gosh knows we need more space in Hong Kong. We need more. We need more flats. Need more space. He just picked somewhere on the map, and just do you not think it's just a coincidence? Is that could it not be a coincidental thing that Discovery Bay needs a bit more density to yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably right. And and 
I was being serious. Are uh, you being serious with? Well, or maybe, or maybe I mean, he's not going to choose is he? Because he'd been an advisor on that project, he was perhaps a little more familiar with it as he than he is with others. Because I mean, of course, the great lie in Hong Kong is there's no space. I mean, Hong Kong is very, very densely populated. Ain't that a fact? But these there's so-called... someone on my lap right now. <laughs> Please get off. Yeah. Well, you may live in a 5,000-metre mansion, but that's not the average... Well... One can dream. Everybody I know lives in those spaces, but apparently some other people in Hong Kong don't. So what are you saying? Just these, these troublesome country parks? Well, no, I'm not actually. I'm saying these, these troublesome so-called brownfield sites, which by staggering coincidence tend to be owned by members of an organisation where the chaps are well known for wearing dark glasses and carrying batons. Um, there's lots of that space. The village people? Oh, policemen I, I, I live in a village myself, but I don't wear dark glasses. <laughs> um, no, but the, the fact of the matter is there's lots of these so-called brownfield sites. One in Wang Chao, which has become rather well known recently, that are entirely amenable to development. You don't need to evict anybody. They're there. I mean, the fact that illegal activities are carried on on these sites, illegal car parks, illegal rubbish dumping, illegal storage depots, all of these things apparently completely invisible to the eyes of lands department officials who who have this strange myopia that they can only spot certain forms of illegal use of government land and other forms of government land. They really hard. I mean, honestly, do you think you could spot an illegal car park with say a hundred cars and it's really hard to hard to find i suppose if they were like small little ford hatchbacks it'd be tougher to see than the usual behemoths that you see driving around hong kong are we getting down to talking about fords i'm i find that quite distasteful (laughs) (laughs) so but i mean so basically what you're saying what you're possibly implying is that all these unsavory activities happen on these brownfield sites Mm. um but and more than that, that they are amenable to development. But isn't it curious if you were, that so that's not being chosen? Here's the argument that as a humble uh, member of a triad myself, that was a joke. Uh, if you build up these sites, there'll be no room for illegal activities. They'll be doing drug deals on the cable car on Ocean Park. Well, there, there, there is, of course, the ever-present danger of all of the above. But the other thing is... Those things are cramped enough as it is. <laughs> yes. You know, hey, there's a lot of competition in that field. But, but of course, what really is happening on the brownfield sites is that these negotiations are going on as to how to screw the largest sum of money out of the government for for taking over the land so one of the reasons why they're not developed is that these guys are saying i tell you what you can have that for you know x squillion per square meter but um um, it may be easier to negotiate with those hapless villagers down the road who don't have our kind of dark glasses and the government goes, tell you what, that's a very good idea. And in Wang Chao, that seems to be exactly what happened. So, first step, buy uh, everyone in Wang Chao some, Dark ra- glasses. some Ray-Bans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although other brands, other brands are available. They yes. are available. Yes, I think uh, we should mention that. What are you wearing at the moment? Um, who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Uh, I do want. To, I mean, what's the solution here to you? Well, the solution is that, that a time will come, and yesterday would have been a pretty good day to start. When the government finally says, I tell you what, we're going to tackle these people. You know, the party is over. You've had, you've had all these years, all this abuse, 
all this rushing up to Beijing. And that's the other aspect of it, of course, is that when the Hung Yikuka challenge, the first destination of call is not the government here. They go up to see the bosses and the bosses go, ah, easy on those fellows. Although I understand that even the liaison office, which now runs Hong Kong with some small assistance from CY Loan, even the liaison office is getting a bit fed up with them. Is it is you you're going to reach a, a boiling point or a breaking point or a straw breaking well, a camel's vertebrae? Well, I wonder what's going to happen because, of course, they keep saying, "Oh, we represent the rural people." This is Horlicks one hundred and one. They do not represent. They represent a tiny proportion of the rural people. The overwhelming majority of the rural people derive zero benefit from these so-called indigenous organisations. Who remember? If you're living in in a, a, a you know in a semi-detached house in in a British suburb, you have a right if you're an indigenous person to a piece of land in Hong Kong. And some people are going, hey, that doesn't sound right to me, you know. Particularly when you've sold it on to uh, another developer, possibly a client of DTZ. But again, <laughs> not that we want. There are other property advisors available solution we're just gonna we're just gonna deal with it is that just paying these exorbitant amounts of money that they're well, they gonna ask for I, is that is that what's I, gonna I come down to one it? solution the other solution is is just for the government say okay party's over fellas this is what we're gonna do and what I, if they say no to that because well, remember property holders are protected <laughs> in the basic law <laughs> ain't that a fact that's what we yeah, call a callback they, and and part of that ruling that we were talking about uh, before the break Part of the ruling emphasised that although property owners under the basic law had their rights, um, had the right to have their rights being given due consideration, phew, got that out, um, another part of that ruling was they had to be able to sustain a reasonable case. So in other words, yeah, you've got to consider their rights, but, you know, if you the don't town... Have to, you can consider, but, but, you don't yeah, have to agree with them. And, and you know, if, the, if, if what they're asking for under their so-called rights is unreasonable, the town planning board has every right to say, look, we have considered your rights, and, you know, frankly, that's a technical expression in case you wondered. Expletive off. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. So, at some time, this is going to come to a head. I don't think... I don't think you can dodge it. Of As course. in this year, maybe? Well, I don't know. Don't know. Don't know. All, all I know is... By the, at every... least by the next Olympics. <laughs> well, that's only four years away. <laughs> <laughs> and that's in Japan, and they lost the war. In Did case... they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, in, it's in books. I Read was, a book. I was thinking of the Russo-Japanese war in 1901, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, they, different that, war. that was a different result. Yes, yeah, that's they had a good true. one. Yeah. Good effort there. Yeah. Uh, anything else on the agenda? Well, I think we could talk about... Um, actually, we could talk about all sorts of things, but I'm uh, just before we leave land altogether, because, hey, aren't we all interested in it? It's interesting. The government yesterday revealed plans um, to release land for the construction of something like 4,500... Um, units of private housing. The government target is to um, generate 20,000 units per year. So we're at 20%. That's a good start. That's a good start, actually. More like 25-ish. Caught on the maths here. <laughs> well, let's call it 22.5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, 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 compromise is a great thing. Um, but the fact of the matter is that one of the things that C. Wallen keeps talking about is his great achievements 
in in house building great achievements in that yet here we go again the government says well very hard to find the land so we'll just release this amount and you know we'll flog it off to private developers meanwhile despite everything you've heard from officials what is the reality of the housing situation actually house prices that were supposed to have been um the property prices which are supposed to have been coming down are uh going up that's the opposite of down for anybody in the housing department because they seem to have difficulty with that equation up is is one way down is the other way so it's up um because of the squeeze on the availability of property for private rental because that's where people who are outside the public sector are really being squeezed, rentals are going up as well. It's quite true that in some of the very elite areas there's been a dip in rent. And those are our main concerns, people in really high-priced areas. Look, but- Steve, I, don't, I hate to interrupt, I know about you, but I just saved $1 million on my $40 million villa, so oh, uh, that's it's, good. it's down, pleased, it's down to, to $39 million, so I don't know what you're complaining about. That seems extremely cheap to me. It does, yeah. It does, yes. Uh, but for Can the, we advise the listener to go out and buy now? For the for the peasantry, yeah, uh, it they're, is they're really s- struggle. Yeah, so I I'm absolutely bemused at the idea that the chief executive would claim that housing was one of the stellar achievements of his his uh, reign, and because it's a stellar achievement of his reign, he definitely deserves to have another term as chief executive. Is this not a sort of dead end anyway because you keep building more houses and more people keep moving in and you keep building more houses it's just a stopgap measure isn't it so even if he did make 20,000 new apartments or well, whatever you could figure, do something. he could build 30,000 there, there was a suggestion and it, it must be true because I heard it on RTHK mm. earlier today from the head of Centreline he said I tell you what why don't they just build property development which is stipulated to be for first time buyers with the premium reduced and blah, blah, blah. That's a brilliant idea. How come that isn't somewhere in the government plans? I think it needs a consultation exercise. It does. Maybe yeah. a couple of advisory boards. Advisory boards would be good. A long consultation exercise. And if the consultation four exercise... four episodes of Backchat on it? Hey, minimum. 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 <laughs> I hope you're listening here. Yeah, that would be good. I think that would be fantastic. But as we know, all the real decisions in Hong Kong now are more or less being conceded to the uh, liaison office in Western. And in case anyone was in any doubt about that, you know, upholding the autonomy of Hong Kong, look what's happening in Ledgeco at the moment. They're supposed to be, when the new um, legislators swear into office, another controversial point, but anyway, when they do that, they're supposed to pick their own president. They can't choose their own words. They can't choose their own words, but they can apparently choose their own president. But everybody seems to know, it's hardly a secret, that that decision isn't being taken in the LegCo. It's being taken down in Western, where, where the bosses are saying, right, you can stand, no, you can't stand. I mean, what is happening here? I mean, when you want a great example of erosion of autonomy, I truly believe that the last president of LegCo, Jasper Chang, was elected by the members of LegCo. Looks like the next one will be elected by, oh, that's right, no one. So you're saying there's a confluence of power in Western District? There does seem to be. Lovely little spot, though. It's a, it's a lovely spot, and they have a sea view. The liaison office has a lovely sea view right onto the harbour from their office, so no one should, you know, whinge about that. 
But we are whinging <laughs> about we are whinging about it on air. On air. I mean, in in Technicolor, Steve. I, I hate to be uh, a cynic, hate to be pessimistic, but uh, what are you going to do about it? I mean, what? I think what you're going to do about it, and this comes back to where our conversation started, is don't lose faith in the people of Hong Kong, because every time that you think that you know all hope has been expunged. There's the magnificent example of the people of Hong Kong that just refuse to lie down and be kicked. And I, that, and the, the idea now that you've got a new generation who are, who are really committed to the future of Hong Kong, I, to me, that's fantastic news. I'll tell you what, it's like Star Trek, the next generation, in many ways <laughs> superior to the original. <laughs> yeah, but with a place for elderly actors, I just want to say that. I don't think Patrick Stewart was that young when he, when he took the <laughs> took the role of Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, but he is now. He is now, He's yeah. ex-young. He's definitely ex-young. So uh, that was strangely optimistic from you, a strangely well, light, light note to finish <laughs> yeah. on. I mean, young people are going to pave the way for the future. You sound like a hey, government there's, announcement. There's a, there's a song about that as well, isn't there, somewhere? Is there? Yeah, there is. I wish there I could is. cue it up right now. Yeah, hey, if I could tell you the title, I certainly would. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, that's the history of Hong Kong, is Hong Kong gets kicked about, and boy, has Hong Kong been kicked about. But there's this resilience of its people, which is, which is something to behold. I mean, that's, that's why I live here. I don't live here because I'm in love with the government. I thought you were just here for the cheap fried rice and whatnot. No, that's true. Choi Wah, can't go yeah, past hey, it. Hey, hey, other brands are available. Other brands, other cha cha <laughs> are available. Yes. Uh, no, that is very nice, and it's always good to butter up your listeners when, when you're on the radio. Particularly when there's two of them. All two of them? Yeah. Thank you, listener. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, is that it for today, Steve? I, I think it is. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Do you, do you, do you have anything uh, to say? Um, anything about your future plans that people should know about? I, I believe in the future. Mm. Vote one. You should <laughs> run for president. Hey, hey. And I believe in a future where, when you have a presidential debate, you don't buy, blame the microphone for your poor performance. I don't think you're sniffling enough no. uh, with no. your, on your debate. But I, I, just so you know, I have deleted all our emails between each other, so I think you're okay for the candidacy. Yeah, I'm good to go. 